0: This car is the most honest car you've seen. It's been a dream ever since I've had it. The first time I heard that engine screaming, I thought, I gotta have one of those. For me, the cars have personality. What's great about a BMW Classic is the community that surrounds it. When you listen to that, <laughs> that's why we're here. Welcome to Classic Heart, the BMW Group Classic Podcast. This is JP. And we have a very fantastic guest today. I can tell you this because uh, we have a long time history compared to a lifespan. And uh, I would like to welcome the Head of Design of BMW Group, Adrian Van Heudong. Adrian, how are you today?
1: Very well, Philip. Hi,
0: good to see you as always. Today we meet in a very, very special place. It's the BMW's Forschungs- und Innovationszentrum, which means the Research and Innovation Center here in Munich. This is the origin where everything you see on the road with a BMW logo on it, all the stages of development have been done here. And for those who might not know your position, Adrian, what are you doing? What are your responsibilities?
1: Well, I'm a head of design for a BMW Group, and that means that uh, I guess you can say I'm responsible for the look and feel of the products of the uh, BMW brands, the cars and motorcycles, Mini and Rolls-Royce, and also uh, responsible for another team called DesignWorks, uh, which is our industrial design agency, uh, which operates
0: worldwide. That means DesignWorks, because I think that's very interesting, because many know that the brands of the BMW group, but DesignWorks is really like a design studio that help other brands, in any field to design cool products
1: yes it is yeah Um, they have studios in shanghai in munich and in los angeles and half of their time they spend working for other clients uh, other uh, products not cars or motorcycles and uh, of course the other half they work for us contributing uh, advanced design or or new ideas to the brands
0: uh, of the bmw group Wow. I mean, that's a lot of uh, work, I would say, like lots of responsibilities. Do you have still time to design cars on your own?
1: I do. I mean, car design or, or design per se is still my hobby. So I count myself lucky that I'm able to do this job. Uh, yes, you could say it's, it's a lot of work or it's a lot of responsibility, but luckily I don't have to do it uh, on my own. Uh, we have a team of about 700 creatives all around the world. So um, you know everything depends on their creativity, and you could say that I'm uh, my job is that of an art director, guiding uh, the design projects towards a specific goal.
0: I mean that's a big step in a career, right? I mean having one of the most important brands and the design studio. But do you still miss a little bit like the hands-on approach of a designer, of a car designer? I do and I don't. I
1: mean obviously. Uh, When you start out in uh, doing design, you don't think of becoming a design manager. I never did. I never dreamt of uh, of having this position, uh, to be honest, it just happened. Um, I got into design because I loved sketching and I still do. So in meetings, I still sketch. And part of um, the way I work is that I, I sketch and give the designers feedback in that way. So I've never really stopped uh, doing what I love, if you Mm -hmm. understand what I'm saying. Well,
0: absolutely. But for a non-creative person, and I consider myself not that creative, I have a great team I'm allowed to work with, which are super creative. Where do you get inspiration from?
1: Inspiration can come from everywhere, really, because um, my personal interests have always been design at large. So, how products are designed, any type of products, really, Uh, how products are made. Uh, I like also finding out how uh, specific products are produced. Um, Art, modern art, is something that I'm very interested in. So, when I travel, I always try to visit some modern art museums. I like architecture, fashion. Uh, and basically anything that has to do with, uh, with aesthetics. And that is where my inspiration comes from. And I think this is also true for,
0: for my team. But um, how does a normal working day for you look like? I mean, it's design for sure, but what else comes with the position you're in?
1: Well, I would say that uh, working day or working week is 99% design. The other percent is some administrative things like uh, budget or or other things or planning. But uh, luckily uh, for me, most of it is design. And it works this way that uh, let's say every hour of the day, I look at another project. It could be a Rolls-Royce one hour, then the next hour, a BMW project next hour, a motorcycle and then a Mini. So uh, what that means is that uh, my working day is quite diverse. So there's never really a boring moment. Of course, it does require, I would say, concentration, because um, when I look at a project, uh, the team has already put quite some time into it, and they want to discuss with me where to go next. Uh, So it's quite intense, but I love it. Uh, And like I said, um, the variety of products is immense, and uh, it really is a a pleasure to be able to do that.
0: I'm surprised that 99% is design, and I really like that answer Mm. because i think every normal one would think okay you come into a position where there's lots of board meetings lots of uh, budgetary discussions as you said um do you think that especially bmw group holds you a bit free of that as well compared to other designers i mean is there an exchange between the head of designs
1: yes there used to be more when when there were more car shows we would meet more regularly now there is uh, less so but when we do meet yes we do talk not about secrets of our jobs but you know a little bit about how things work um if i speak for a bmw group my job uh, i can say that the board meetings that i go to are about design when i go there uh, i I need to go there because they want a design opinion so that is about design Uh, there's perhaps only one meeting a week that i have or that i go to which is more technological in nature, which doesn't necessarily concern me. Uh, But I can't go to sleep either because, (laughs) you know, I have to make sure that if there is something that that could concern design, uh, that my voice is heard. But uh, that's why, yeah, I think it's true. 99% is design, it has something to do with design. It's not always looking at a sketch. It could be a model, it could be a technical discussion, but it is always uh, working towards better design.
0: I show you now a pen and a piece of paper. Is that the foundation of every design we see on the roads?
1: I would say yes. At least it was for me in my generation. Today, I think the pen looks a little different and the piece of paper is a tablet. Uh, most of my design team now sketches uh, digitally. But that doesn't matter. The, the creative effort is still the same. Uh, you are translating your thoughts in your head onto uh, you know, a flat surface. And then later on and some of our designers can can do that too uh, you turn that into a 3d object you turn it into a computer model first and a real model later so you begin to translate your thoughts into three dimensions and that to most of us is the most interesting
0: phase by the way i think it would be very nice to learn a bit more about the person adrian van hoedock so you were born in the netherlands i think it's a place called echt I hope I pronounced it correctly. Perfectly, yes. I see. Growing up close to the Dutch border helps a little bit. Um, Did you grow up into an artistic family? Are you the first one going into a creative job?
1: I would say no, it was not an artistic environment per se. My father was a doctor. Of course, he always claimed that every aesthetic aspect in my <laughs> career came from him. <laughs> Obviously. But, uh, but no, you could say I'm the first one then, from what I know, that went into an artistic profession. Of course, my parents supported that uh, at the time where, let's say, industrial design was not very well known. And um, and that's probably also why I'm here. My father did love cars, though. He loved his mm-hmm. cars, uh, like maybe most doctors do. But um, I think he also uh, liked to drive them just a little bit too fast Okay. Um, uh, but uh, maybe that combined then with other aspects led to me uh, doing this job now
0: what would be your first automotive memory do you can you recall that
1: well i would say my my father used to drive some american cars which were quite uh, let's say extrovert yeah (laughs) so that maybe was my first contact but then um yeah, you start reading uh, car magazines at the time. I remember being very impressed um, by the work that came from Pininfarina. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know Lorenzo Ramacciotti, of course. And um, yeah, it was the era of, uh, let's say, Ferrari 308. Yeah. Those kind of cars that, uh, that I find very impressive. My very first cars, though, were, were French. Yeah, uh, was a Peugeot and, and a Renault Four. Uh, those were my first nice. cars that
0: I had as a as a student. Yeah. Renault Four, big revival at the moment. Yes, if you yes. if you find a good one, uh, to everyone that tuned in, buy it because uh, the French design is is uh, in the classic and young time machine comes now very much. And you know, speaking about things come together, um, where did it all start for you? So was it sketching cars? Did you build cars with Lego? How did the fascination for design and and lines start? I can say that I started sketching cars quite early. I think most of my school
1: books were filled with car sketches. Yeah, I remember showing them to my parents and saying already back then, "Look uh, what I'm doing! I want to become a car designer." And like most parents, they were nice and said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," um, and of course they,
0: and not, and e- not even I ever imagined that, uh, that that would actually happen. But when was it like for you manifesting that you want to become a car designer or like a designer? I think we have to say you started industrial design in mm-hmm. Delft.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the dream of becoming a car designer came quite early huh? because I loved designs from Italy, Pininfarina, those kind of things. So I was always more into the shape of cars than in the technolo- into the technology. Then you could say I parked that dream for a number of years because uh, growing up and then uh, coming towards graduation, starting to think about what to do next, I stumbled on, uh, on the study industrial design, uh, which you could do in Holland and in Delft at the Polytechnic at the time. Mm-hmm. And I knew, okay, that is probably not going to lead me to become a car designer, but I was sufficiently interested in design as a whole. Uh, that I was happy with that. So, uh, I started studying industrial design and let's say I parked uh, the idea of
0: becoming a car designer uh, for that. And when was the way to the parking lot to reopen that idea? It happened during my, my studies in Delft.
1: Um, you know, the dream came back or it never really went away. But, and I met uh, someone that you probably also know, Laurence Vandenacker. Yes. Um, and uh, we basically confessed to one another we had the same dream so we started already talking then about um, how could we perhaps do this we actually ended up doing it lawrence is now of course as you know the head of design for renault um our paths were very different and in some ways similar through italy then uh, united states uh, germany and um yeah then uh, when i uh, graduated in delft I knew, okay, now I probably have to get serious about this dream if I ever want it to come through. And then um, I wrote to BMW, to Hans Braun, who was mm-hmm. then a head of design and I sent him some sketches and uh, he sent me back a very nice letter, which is why I still answer every letter that I get. But basically what he wrote back to me was, look, I, okay, he said, uh, Adrian, I see some talent, but BMW is not a school so if you want to work here we advise you to either visit the royal college of art or Mm -hmm. art center and i took that advice to heart and went to art center
0: where you also met a dear friend of ours and also a uh, former guest in our podcast gabi von oppenheim yeah right i think that's where the connection was started right yes
1: that's where it started yeah and uh you know that was a, a great time i only went there for one year and when i graduated I did get a job uh, offer from bmw so uh, it worked out uh, yeah. as hoped yeah. but it wow. was a
0: little bit of a long winded way you know yeah. long sometimes long ways are the best ones exactly yeah. and one thing you mentioned earlier it should not be underestimated that someone in your position takes the time to answer requests questions that coming because it helped and motivated you a lot that you got an answer on a on a letter I try, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, Very good. Um, Did you ever speak to your parents or spoke to your parents about that the dream came true becoming a car designer?
1: They saw it happen, uh, luckily, so they know my my father uh, passed away but my mother's still alive and Mm -hmm. she knows very well uh, what I'm doing so they saw it come true and they were happy for me and um, yeah so it's uh, I think altogether a good story and perhaps not straightforward and that's what i always say to people that ask me so how do you do this there's probably faster ways of doing it Uh, but like you say it doesn't matter how you get there it does take some single-mindedness probably and uh, some tenacity yeah and um yeah uh, then then you can make things happen
0: lovely i think that's a a very satisfying non-american way of doing things
1: The other things that I would say is that uh, you have to be your own strongest supporter, but also your own strongest critic. Mm -hmm. Because in order to to do design, you have to be also self-critical. But there is a time for that. Uh, It's something that I learned while doing an internship in in Holland. I had a very uh, good boss there, also a designer. And he told me, don't try to judge your sketch while you're sketching it. Uh, because you'll get uh, sort of a shortcut in your brain. Let the creativity flow. Then at the end of the week, put all the sketches on the floor, then look at them and you will know which one uh, is the best. Because sometimes, you know, I realize designers want want to be successful right away. And you shouldn't be thinking about that. You should just be thinking about designing, sketching, and uh, then judge your work at the end of the
0: week, perhaps. Mm Is this something that you also share with your team? I mean, we spoke about what was around 700 um, employees. Yeah. Um, is this also that you share this kind of experience also with younger generations of the new and upcoming designers? I try to, I, I don't get to talk to them all yeah. uh,
1: every day, of course, sure. but, but yeah, I try to. I try to create some free space for them to, to think freely, And that's also part of my job. Uh, The company will tell me what they need from us in terms of uh, success. Typically, uh, what they want from us is a car that sells in higher numbers than the one before. But that's not necessarily something that serves as an inspiration for the team. So I try to set the design project up in such a way that these things will happen. Uh, We have a good chance of success, let's say. Um, but that they don't feel the pressure. They feel free uh, yeah. to be creative.
0: As you said, let the creativity flow and afterwards judge the work. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, for someone who is the user of your product, how could they imagine that the design process started? You just touch this briefly, so you get a briefing from, I think, engineers, marketing, or whatever. What are the steps?
1: Yeah, very briefly, I mean, the the, the briefing today is, is written, let's say, together uh, with engineers and marketeers. So um, it's not something that just falls on our doormat. So we are able to also influence the briefing. And then, of course, if, if we are talking about a car, let's say like an X5, which we have done several times before, then, then perhaps the new car doesn't really change character so much. It just has to be transported into the future. Uh, maybe there is some technological aspects that are very new. Um, maybe there's some new things that we've learned that we want to incorporate into the car. But the briefing to the team can be, let's say, a meeting of an hour or hour and a half where uh, we talk about the previous car and how it did, what people like, what people would like to see us improve. Um, basically, it could be a, a one-pager of, uh, that, that sums it all up. And then we set the team off, sketching, designing, for about, let's say, three weeks or so. Then we look at all these sketches, we select some to be uh, worked out for another two weeks or so. And then we begin to make some models, um, first in the computer and then, uh, then in reality. So at the end of that first phase, the creative phase, which is about three, four months, we begin to look at some models, three or four models on the computer screen. Uh, we might also mail them and then uh, three months later we have refined those models and uh, we go to the board of management with three models show them the state of the project we begin also to already um, select Uh, we go down maybe from three to two models and then um, uh, six months later we make the final selection And uh, then we continue working on on the chosen model, chosen exterior, chosen interior. And I would say altogether this whole process coming down to one chosen design for the exterior and the interior takes about a year, year and a half roughly. And then again uh, we we build a model. This time it looks like a real car. Uh, So the interior that we chose and the exterior that we chose are now built together into one single model. All hand built. Uh, mm-hmm. Within our uh, design team, and that gets shown to the board again, and then we ask for a final approval. Yeah, uh, and if we get that, which we typically do, then the whole industrial process starts um, of making this car in in the factory and build prototypes, testing it, and that whole process of developing a car, designing and developing a car, nowadays takes about three years, three and a half years. Wow,
0: that yeah. I means you have to relive in the future.
1: We try to, yes, because uh, right now, as we sit here, we are uh, working on projects for the year 25, 26. Yeah. And uh, that is then the launch date for those new products. And we have to make the design decisions for those projects now, this year. Then they come out in 26 and they stay in the market for another eight years. So we are deciding, deciding on designs this year and it has to be still relevant in the market in 2033 or something like this. So yes, we have to at least be able to look ahead 10-15 years, I would say.
0: I mean, but that's I think that's a super interesting fact because um doesn't this gives you sleepless nights to think about what's going to be liked by the uh, consumer in in 3 to 5 years?
1: Sleepless nights, no, but it is certainly the hardest part of our job because who can predict the future? Yeah. Um, that, is, that is almost impossible. Certainly in times like these where life seems to speed up in all aspects, certainly in technology. So it's very hard to predict, for example, what a mobile phone will look like in 15 yeah. years from now, or what Apple products will, will look like then, or you know how we will go to work back then. It's very hard to imagine that at this point in time. Still, I believe that uh, designers a very fine antenna Mm -hmm. for even small changes that are beginning to happen in society. Typically, even big changes don't happen overnight. Um, If you're very perceptive, then you see these changes coming. You feel that it's coming. And then, of course, we don't have to predict uh, what is going to happen for all brands in the the whole world, just for the brands that that we take care of. And so far we've
0: managed it, but it is indeed the hardest part of our job. Yeah. I love that part. I think that's, that's, besides all the creativity and creating something, I really think that's absolutely something that makes your profession so special or like any designer's profession so special that uh, you guys really, I would say, I said live in the future, but predict the future.
1: Yeah, a large part I would say is also taking uh taking a decision yeah taking a stance uh, because you simply cannot know for sure so if you wait and you want to be absolutely sure you will never finish Uh, and i think in the time that we live in now the risk of not changing enough is far greater than the risk of changing too much because the world like i
0: said is changing very rapidly now do you see also? i mean um so since when are you with bmw when was your first project 1992 okay first so,
1: of november it's wow. a long time yeah. that's
0: a, like a jubilee it was last year it was
1: last year yeah, last year, yes. yeah fantastic yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, belated congrats to that thank you very much you're uh, the first one actually to congratulate <laughs> you see but my question was actually leading to the fact like since 1992 we see that circles of digital developments or developments in general are getting shorter and shorter. We see Mm. that iPhones come out every two or three years Mm. instead of four years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Does this affect also your work?
1: Yes, our development times have been shortened, uh, almost halved, yes, Uh, like you say, that's true. Luckily for us, the design part has not been shortened that much, a little bit, yes. Uh, Let's say 12 months is still what we've got and that's not that much shorter than, than yeah. we used to have uh, the tools that we use of course are far more digital now which does mean that in certain periods we can do things faster but i always uh, feel that design is something that that requires time to think and uh, requires time to reconsider uh, to let it sit come back to it the next day so it's something in theory you could do it in three months and sometimes for a concept car, we do that, mm-hmm. uh, or we have done that. Uh, that can lead to good results for a concept car because it, it needs to be very spontaneous and, uh, and then and all emotion. For a production car, I would not advise uh, uh, doing that. I think 12 months is okay. Yeah. Uh, then uh, the, the time that the product spend in the market, uh, we are actually extending it for various reasons. Um, we, we think that probably it makes sense not to shorten the life cycle so much Um, we want to become circular that means we want to use as many materials as we can from older cars to make the new ones yeah and actually extending the lifespan uh, helps because otherwise these circles become too short
0: Um, and how important is legacy i mean while designing a rolls-royce or a new bmw or a motorbike or a new mini i mean and the brands are countless and cool how important is legacy so does design history plays a big role
1: yes to me it does i think it gives you authenticity so if bmw talks about a sporty and elegant car i think our customers know that that we've not just invented that yesterday we've been doing this for for many decades now Um, they look different maybe 50 years ago Uh, because the definition of sporty elegance has changed over time. Um, Rolls-Royce is about effortless motoring and it has always been about that. So I think uh, legacy or history gives you authenticity. Uh, It helps you also figure out who you are, what the DNA is. Uh, Just the way you express it, I guess, also needs to change over time Mm -hmm. uh, because everything else around you changes too.
0: I remember that you were kindly joining a discussion round at the Munich uh, Drivers and Business Club. And um, someone in the audience was asking the questions, um, of course, about the Big kidney and all these kind of things and all design elements, Hofmeister, Kink and all the things. And what you said is really stuck into my mind. I hope I repeat it correctly, because you said, if these design elements are the thing that makes a BMW a BMW. We made something wrong because you will certainly understand the BMW if you see it on the road, even though without seeing the front or the back.
1: I would say that um, uh, you know it's not just the grill or the lamps or the or Hofmeister kink that make a BMW. It is about proportion. It is about precision. It's about treatment of surface and lines. Uh, I do have a lot of respect for uh, previous generations of, of BMWs. I love them. I own some of them, as yes. you know. So we will always. Uh, want to take great care of it having said that though we believe that in order to move forward you can't just keep repeating what has been in the past you have to sometimes add new elements to it and sometimes that also means changing some uh, of the iconography
0: no i mean that's sometimes a bit of the um the issue for someone who has to work with a design element like a 911. I mean, a, a car that has, let's face it, recently not have changed a lot, if I may say so, uh, because uh, it was very successful, so they need to keep it.
1: I think it really depends on on the brand and on yeah. the specific product. If I look at our Mini brand, for example, uh, the Core Mini, uh, you could say, is a car like the 911. It's a car that that we want to develop carefully around it we have created a whole family of completely new products Uh, and with all of that i think now mini is more successful than it ever was we're selling mini cars in in countries uh, that that never knew the original so uh, it shows you that it's possible but uh, with such an iconic core car like the core mini you know for 45 years the mini brand was just one car so uh, that tells you something so that's why Uh, we developed that very carefully um now uh, in munich at the er we will launch the the latest version Uh, with bmw there's far more cars that have become iconic and um, i think it's a a brand that that develops rapidly in terms of technology so there we feel that the speed of change can be uh, perhaps even a little higher
0: it's the global thing globalization affects everything also car design would assume
1: it does, and um, you know, I, I travel to these places quite often. I, I've been to China this year. Um, we have, of course, a design studio in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. We have one in LA. Um, the idea about the BMW brand all over the world is actually pretty similar. When I was in in Shanghai Motor Show this year, I showed a concept car there uh, called the BMW Vision Deed, and some very young journalists came up to me and said, "Look, doesn't that look a little bit like the BMW 2002?" and i think that's a fair point but what surprised me was that that she actually knew this car Mm -hmm. but because that car was never on sale in china yeah in the united states everybody knows the 2002 so it shows you that like you say in this uh, communication world that we now live in news travels fast uh, and information is available everywhere so um, i think it's a good thing that for us actually in design that the idea or the basic concept of the bmw brand is the same the world over still though there are some country specific flavors that you can add to it Uh, but typically when we do a design for any of our brands we design them for the whole world
0: Um, you mentioned the 2002 i would like to go one step earlier uh, back to the 60s um there was a nice article about new kind of cars BMW were presenting in motor car for the American market uh, that says BMW in happiness. And uh, I think it showed that the at that time Neue Klasse was really a success also in the States. And I mean, the States were already a very important market, were an emerging market for BMW, but it seems that the Neue Klasse was the real game changer. Why was the Neue Klasse, which is called like the new class, or do we say Neue Klasse, because we stick to this, why was it so special in your opinion?
1: Well, if you read uh, the history books, uh, I I was too young to know firsthand, then then you'll know that in the early 60s, BMW was nearly bankrupt. Um, The reason was the products, while being interesting and beautiful, were not sold in high numbers. Uh, BMW was making an Isetta, small car, which was successful initially, but at that time uh, less so. Then um, the other cars that they were making was uh, a 507, 508, and a big V8 uh, limousine, uh, which in German they call a Baroque Engel. yes. And there was nothing in between. So sales were quite low. And then uh, BMW started creating Neue Klasse with the BMW 1500 then uh, that turned into the 1800. It became an instant success because that was exactly the kind of car that people in that time were craving for. Compact, sporty, elegant limousine. And as we now know, it set BMW on the course of success that it is still
0: on today. And do you know the history about the name Neue Klasse? So who came up with that? i guess the the marketing colleagues at the time
1: uh, came up with that because the car was simply labeled uh, bmw 1500 yeah. then i think um after a year or two at the eaa in, in frankfurt at the time bmw introduced the 1800 and began to call it neue Klasse because they began to see the potential uh, of this vehicle and it was all new of course for them in terms of technology or a combination perhaps of of elements, a certain sportiness, compactness, elegance, that was new to the market as a whole. So I guess that's why they were brave enough to call it Neue Klasse.
0: No, they filled a niche which was not filled. That you have like a sporty. compact elegant as well sporting elegant car in that sense but i i mean i really like it and also like that all my american friends and i see like a big demand not only for 2002s they were always like strong like over like since i'm working in the classic sphere so 25 years ago Mm. but now i see people really buying and we had also guests in our podcast who were modifying a 2000 Mm -hmm. modifying a 1500 and i I love to see these cars coming back on the road because they were Mm at least in europe they were a bit neglected at a a certain point in the classic community and now you see them coming back which i really find interesting because it's such an important car in the bm in the younger bmw history Uh, is it actually true that the first design studies talking about design elements uh, were presented without a bmw kidney i would say it was a
1: different interpretation uh, of a a bmw kidney fairly uh, wide and, and low slung and yes, in the course of the design phase, they added uh, some more elements to it. So you could say it's almost a grill within a grill than how yeah. the car came out. Uh, what it also initiated, let's say, was sort of a, a visual connection between the headlamps and the grill. And that is something that we still do today in the, in the three series uh, a strong visual connection between lamps and grill. Uh, and that is something that, of course, we're looking at also for the future.
0: Future is a very good keyword, actually, because next week there will be the IAA, the International Automotive Show in Munich. So uh, that means there will be a world premiere of the BMW Vision Neue Klasse. I mean we are allowed to talk about this sensation now as this podcast will be released after the IAA. But may I ask, why is BMW presenting the Neue Cluster again in 2023? Or let's say their vision of the Neue Cluster 2023? Is everything starting all over again?
1: It is not because we we want to do retro design. Let me let me say yeah. that first. The reason why we are talking about Neue Klasse again is because we, we think that back then in the 60s Neue Klasse was uh, a very important moment in time for the company. It was also a new page in the book of BMW design and we feel that what we are showing now at ER with Neue Klasse could be that again. A new page uh, in the history of BMW design, certainly a big step in terms of technology. And yet, I believe that that it is very much a BMW. Everything is new. Uh, All the aspects of the design are new. But I think it's very true to the BMW DNA. And it could, we hope at least, become again a stepping stone for success uh, in the next uh, decades.
0: I mean, that's very exciting. So can you just share some elements you really love on that car? or the things that, for you, make this thing very special?
1: Well, um, the the new Neue Klasse, of course, is electric. It is digital and it is circular. So those are the key elements of the car. In terms of design, I think it's very clean. So you can probably tell it's a zero-emission vehicle. I do believe it has a a very dynamic stance, a very BMW-typical proportions two and a half box uh, design I think it sits well on its wheels so it does look dynamic even when it's standing still and it's doing that I would say with very few lines almost effortless then when you sit inside the car you feel like the driving is important and it always has been to us in BMW we love driving all of us do and, um, and that meant in the past that the cockpit had many switches and was, you know, curved around you. In the new Neue Klasse, we show a new interpretation of what we call driver orientation. It is now very intelligent, very digital. Uh, we project most of the information into the windscreen, mm-hmm. uh, and that helps you actually focus on the road. Hands on the wheel, eyes on the road, that's our uh, mantra so we believe it is very true to the core uh, beliefs of BMW driving sensation dynamic stance even when standing still and yet in terms of design surface
0: lines very clean very new um, i mean we're excited to to then finally see the car and uh, thank you very much for taking on, on that travel offer maybe future classic we will see maybe in uh, 25 years i'm not sure if we're still around and the in the in the positions we are but may we talk about I'll this i'll keep uh,
1: reading classic driver and looking out for it as yeah. long as i can
0: that's uh thank you very much i hope that we're going to be around another 25 years let's see what future will bring and um, what the future will bring you should google because you should have a look at the vision Neue cluster if you have not seen it and i mean it shows so much how design can influence A whole industry. And uh, I remember uh, looking back in our 25 year history, Adrian. um, I remember that uh, we worked on a very interesting project together. We means uh, you, the design of BMW Group, and uh, Classic Driver, because uh, you asked if we would have fun in doing a storytelling about a long lost project, the BMW Garmisch. Uh, What does the Garmisch concept mean to you?
1: the bmw Garmisch, to me is is, uh, takes a special place at least in in my view on bmw's design history because it was a show car designed by uh, marcello gandini in his time at bertone and and i hold uh, marcello in very high regard he's one of the most inspiring creative designers that that i know and that's why this car was so intriguing to me the the problem was though that uh, i'd never seen it in real life. The car yeah. had disappeared. It was gone. Uh, we didn't have it in our uh, museum or in our storage facilities. All we had was like four or five photos of it. So then I had the crazy idea perhaps to, uh, to recreate it because I felt, uh, you know, it should be in our collection. It should be something that people could look at. So the first thing that I did was uh, I contacted you guys and then uh, told you guys about this idea. You, had, luckily for me, told me it was perhaps not so crazy. And then <laughs> and then we went to to visit Mr. Gandini. He said it was a crazy idea, <laughs> but uh, but he liked it. He said if you're crazy enough to want to do this, then by all means. Uh, I needed his help though because the the pictures alone were not enough to recreate it. And uh, we then, together with our modeling team, his help, his memories, we actually managed to recreate the car. And it was originally built uh, on the chassis of a 2002. And that's what we did. We, mm-hmm. we bought a 2002 Italian registered and we recreated the car all over again. Uh, and now it's part of our museum collection. As you know, uh, we then showed it at Villa d'Este together with Mr. Gandini. And it was very moving, very, very emotional, I think for both of us. And um, yeah, it's one of those small things that you perhaps don't need to do, but I think in some ways we owe it to our history
0: and to uh, a great designer like uh, Marcello Gandini. Yeah. I mean, it's money and effort and time. I mean, that's something, as we said, time is restrained. And uh, mm. they are going that path in honoring someone who has so much influence on our car designs until today. Mm. I think I I love that and also to complete like a missing link in a BMW. And if you look at the car, you know, no one will guess that it's built on a 2002 because it looks like a size of a five series in a a sense, like a big five series coupe, uh, I would say. And, um, but I mean, okay, you had the help of, of uh, Mr. Gandini, but you just had the photos. There were no building plans, nothing. Right?
1: No, there, there, there were just some faded pictures and um one of the hardest parts of the process became to to actually get the color right yeah Uh, because from the faded picture we couldn't really know and mr gandini didn't remember what what color it was exactly or where they they purchased it so we had to sort of mix that color again then the pictures were taken somewhere uh, in turin and we couldn't quite figure out where it was but then when we were building the model one of the model makers remembered uh, the project and said, I know where this is. And he took us to that very spot where the picture was taken. So we even recreated the picture at that very location. Amazing. So altogether, it was a very, very nice adventure, a very rewarding project. Uh, It just goes to show, I guess, um, how much we care about design uh, in BMW Group, how much we respect our history and uh, while we do want to uh, move the design forward into the future in our production cars
0: we feel strong enough about our heritage to to do a project like this and uh, what was the uh, reaction when you pitched it first i mean someone has to finance it i don't think that you went out and get some Some donations, I would say. Next question. Okay, good. Very (laughs) much. I thought so.
1: (laughs) Let's say it took all my persuasive powers. Yes. uh, And I would like to keep that a secret of how you do
0: these things uh, for a while. And I love that there have to be some secrets out there. That makes it even more magical sitting here in the Forschungs- und Innovationszentrum, I would say. Um, Let's keep it like that. So I think we touched all interesting points that really shows uh, a bit of your personality, a bit of your daily life in terms of uh, your profession and your job. And I would like to thank you for allowing us to have a little peek into the life of the head of the design of the BMW Group, Adrian van Hooydong. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I would also take the opportunity to thank the whole team around it. So there's Philip for the sound. uh, We have Scenario Studio, who does everything, uh, make it look good at the end. We have Federica, who helps us uh, from editorial, and Robin, who is the good heart of it, because he holds all uh, the ends together. And if you like what you hear, do us a favor and leave us a high star rating or some comments. And to never miss another episode of Classic Heart, please subscribe to the podcast service of your choice. Thank you very much. It's hard to say bye-bye, but only those who say bye-bye can say hello once again. Thank you very much, Arjen van Heudong. Thank you, my pleasure, Phil.